so much for having me. Um, yeah, so my name is Greg, and I'm a CMO for a DeFi DAP in the Polkadot ecosystem called Aldrum. So I'll talk about that in a second, but just quick introduction about me. Uh, like I said, my name is Greg, and I've been a marketer for the last 10 plus years. And I've kind of run the full gamut of the marketing space. I've started out working at Microsoft in the digital ad sales division, and I was kind of uh, introduced into the, the digital ad world through there. And uh, I worked at a bunch of different companies, worked in a bunch of different roles. And about a year and a half ago, I actually got into the Web3 space and kind of started exploring opportunities in marketing there. And I saw that there was a big gap for just marketing talent in this space. So I kind of went all in. And through one way or another, I ended up uh, uh, meeting uh, these guys who are the two co-founders of this project called Aldrum, which, as I said, is a DeFi dApp uh, that's built on Astar Network. So if, as you probably know, um, Astar Network is part of the Polkadot ecosystem. It's one of the parachains. And, um, you know, I'll talk about Astar Network in a second, but essentially we are building a liquid uh, staking app on Astar Network. And so briefly what that is, is so when you're staking your tokens normally, you have to, you're basically locking up your tokens. And yes, you're getting rewards, but you're losing liquidity because you're staking. And so we're addressing that problem for the Polkadot ecosystem by essentially giving you one Astar token for every, or sorry, one liquid and Astar token for every Astar token that you stake. And what you can do with this liquid and asset token is basically you, you can use it to to lend or you know as collateral uh, to yield farm. You can use it to do a bunch of a, a bunch of different DeFi activities across the Astar ecosystem and in the near future across the entire Polkadot ecosystem and actually beyond. So our goal is to be um, you know the, the future is multi-chain. So our goal is to basically be um, uh, a token that has the the, the you know. The ability to function not just on Astar Network but beyond it as well. Excellent. How do you feel you stack up in the DeFi ecosystem? It's there's a lot of competition there. It's a relatively hot and new space. Um, where do you feel you guys stand in terms of maybe competition or maybe just within the ecosystem overall? Yeah, that's a great question. As you said, there's a lot of competition in the space. So first and foremost, I would say that we have to look at Astar Network. I think Astar Network is really, uh, it stands out in the ecosystem because it, uh, it's, built, it's positioning itself to be a um, multi-VM blockchain. What that means is uh, you can build both EVM smart contracts on it and also WASM or WebAssembly smart contracts on it. And I think that's going to be a big game changer. So um, Gavin Wood, who's the uh, founder of Polkadot, and he was one of the co-founders of Ethereum, he uh, has said that EVM will be around for a while since that's kind of the default um, virtual machine for now. But WASM is the future of kind of how smart contracts are going to be built. So uh, we're kind of, so Astro Network is looking to that future. And so we're aligning ourselves with that vision. Um, and Sota Wantanabe, uh, he's one of the, uh, he's the founder of Astro Network. And 
you know, he's done a, an amazing job of, of, of building up Astar network. Um, as he started, he's, he's from Japan and he's, uh, basically, um, gotten a lot of support from, from, you know, not just big investors, but from the, from the Japanese government. So he's getting full support from, from Japan as a country, which is amazing. So, uh, I see a, a very bright future for Astar network. And so, by building on top of Astar Network, I think we're aligning ourselves with a, a good ecosystem. Um, and furthermore, so we are the only liquid staking um, application on Astar Network. So what we permit people to do who are on Astar Network is to, you know, like as I said, gain, gain liquidity um, and basically unlock the full value of their Astar assets. So, um, our goal uh, in 2023 will be to expand beyond Astar Network, as I said, to the rest of the Polkadot ecosystem. And, you know, we also have another um, product, I guess, yeah, another feature from our product called uh, Liquid Lending. Uh, we haven't released it yet, but that's basically going to be like liquid yield farming. So similar idea to liquid staking, you know, yield farming and staking are, are somewhat similar. Um, but this is going to be where our our native token comes into play. Our native token is called ALGM and it's going to be kind of, uh, it's going to be tied to our, our liquid yield farming or liquid lending um, product. So uh, yeah, so that's kind of like a long answer to your question. Can you explain the liquid uh, yield farming and kind of how that's different than traditional yield farming today? Um, like what, what aspects kind of separate it and do you think it's more opportunistic to do that versus traditional yield farming i say traditional but it's been around for not that long but just uh in, in your opinion how does it differentiate for a potential investor or someone's putting their money away uh that's you know looking to um grow their capital or you know just kind of put it away and let it appreciate over time yeah another great question so for liquid yield farming or liquid lending, what we can call it, um, it's again, it's similar to liquid staking. So you're basically choosing uh, which liquidity pools to provide your Astar tokens to. And so there's going to be a bunch of different ones within the Astar network ecosystem that you can provide your, your Astar tokens to. Um, where so And with traditional liquid, uh, or sorry, with traditional yield farming, you're again. You're locking up your tokens. Normally, you can't. You can't liquid. Sorry, I keep saying liquid. You can't yield farm and stake at the same time. And so, what Algem does differently is you basically get to do both. And that's kind of going back to your original question: how we're differentiating ourselves is in traditional DeFi. You have to kind of choose between staking or yield farming. And there's different strategies and there's different benefits and and you know disadvantages to both. But what we're doing with um, with our platform is you're basically enabled to do both. So you can use your native Astar tokens to stake. And then with your derivative token, your liquid token, you can use that to do yield farming activities. Or you can start by liquid uh, yield farming by basically taking your Astar tokens and you're putting them into a liquidity pool of your choice. And then you're getting a liquid and Astar token, which you can use to stake. Um, or to do other DeFi activities, um, and then how it, and then again, the way that it ties uh, to our token is, well, basically, it's kind of a, a little bit hard to explain, but essentially, um, as you are 
um, putting your your um, Astar tokens into your liquidity pool, um, you're you're getting rewards, and these rewards are going to be um, in the form of Astar tokens, but they're also going to be in the form of our native Algem token. And so, if you want to um, grow your rewards um, for your Algem tokens, you're going to be incentivized to basically restake those tokens to give our protocol more stability. So um, we're kind of uh, we're still kind of working through our um, our, our our tokenomics. Um, and by the way, one of, one of the few one of the things that we're going to be doing that is the first in the Astar network to do is we're going to be actually um, auditing our tokenomics model and. Uh, you know that's going to help ensure that people are aware that we, you know that we're constructing our model in a responsible way and in a self-sustaining way. So that's another thing that we're going to be doing. <clears throat> yeah, when you say you're going to do these audits uh, for the tokenomics model, are you doing that in-house within within Algem, or are you um, using someone externally as a third party and bringing them in to do it? Um, and how do you go about vetting some of these auditors? I, I had someone on the podcast just recently. Um, we were talking about this in, in quite depth, actually. And it's difficult even for an auditing firm to come in and audit a blockchain and audit a project because they have to look at their own auditors to make sure that they're up to speed on what they're supposed to be doing, that they're highly qualified, that they're trustworthy. Um so have you guys found any issues in doing that or hurdles? I don't think it's something people really highlight or talk about enough in the space, the importance of it. But for blockchain security, it's tremendously important, especially around tokenomics and building an overall economics model for a project. Um, so, yeah, again, do you guys do this in-house or do you have an external team or source that you go to primarily? Yeah, um, we're actually using an external source. So I think that's one of the big advantages to you know to, to give peace of mind to our users and our potential users uh, we want to separate ourselves from that auditing process so that they know that there's no misaligned incentives um, as far as you know traditional auditing goes for the web3 space normally you hear about these audits that are ma mainly done for the smart contracts and you have certain firms that have a good reputation like certic or uh, i'm forgetting the, the name of the other one but um there, there's a, like a few out there that are have some pretty, have a pretty good reputation, and for them, you know, their reputation is on the line. So if they were to do something shady, it would not be. They would instantly lose all their credibility. Which, which for an auditing firm, credibility is probably the the number one thing. You know, as soon as you you mess up, then that's gone forever. So you can trace back to, you know, the I don't know if you know the Arthur the the. the the what was it called the the accounting firm from there was a scandal back in the the day from the Enron scandal did you hear, hear yeah yeah a long time ago probably like most people have seen this probably wouldn't be aware well you probably heard about the Enron scandal anyways point being if you're an auditing firm and you do something shady you're going to go out of business pretty fast so um, to that end so we're so there's a few firms also that are uh, fairly. Uh, that have a fairly good reputation uh, with respect to tokenomics auditing. I can't recall the name off the top of my head because we're we're vetting them out at this moment. Um, but that being said, we're going to make sure that we, we might get a, one or two audits before we go live with our native token. Um, so, 
Yeah, that's going to be huge for us as well. Um, so yeah, to yeah, I, I think that, uh, and I agree with you, getting an audit done, not just for your smart contracts, but for your tokenomics, I think it's hugely important um, to give crypto investors more information uh, and to help them make right uh, decisions when it comes to uh, what they choose to invest in. You also mentioned Wasm earlier. That's uh, just to clarify the decentralized uh, like storage network or what is it like hash network where you can store information right on, on Ethereum or. Um, yeah. So I, so when it comes to Wasm, I, I'm not the technical expert on this, but um, from, as I understand it, uh, Wasm basically permits you to write smart contracts in a language that you're already familiar. So now uh, if you're looking to become a Web3 developer, you basically have to learn uh, Solidity and you have to learn Ethereum Virtual Machine. So, And you basically have to make your smart contracts through EVM. What Wasm does, as again, as I understand it, so if somebody out there watching, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, basically it allows developers to, as I said, to write in their own, to write smart contracts in a language that they're already familiar with. And for those uh, and, and to basically uh, have interoperability with um, different uh, with, with different languages that might be um, you know were, that that might be coded in a different uh, language and also with EVM. So Wasm can interact with uh, EVM, for example. So that's again how I understand it. Um, it basically allows um, the network to expand and to and, and I think that the big idea is that it's going to bring. Uh, enable more developers to access the web three space. So, uh, but, uh, if anybody has more information on this, feel free to comment. Cause I'm not, I'm not uh, a CTO. I'm a C I'm a, I'm a marketing guy. So feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, final question kind of leading up on what you just, just said that you're a CMO. Um, when, when you think about the space overall and the way that not just Web3, but let's be more specific, maybe crypto. The way the crypto industry, the blockchain industry is marketing itself, the way it promotes itself. What what are your opinions on it? Because it feels so fake sometimes. Obviously, it's very scammy. There's a lot of ploys out there that get a lot of people, a lot of pyramid schemes, a lot of bad projects and bad actors. Um, and very rarely, at least in my opinion, have I seen really good marketing campaigns around a project that's trying to do something seriously. Usually it's like an exchange, like Gemini. I've seen some really good stuff from Binance, Coinbase. Um, I think Coinbase, yeah, Coinbase had a, a commercial during the Super Bowl uh, just this last uh, February. It was really good. Um, but you don't see a lot of good, creative, strong marketing where it's like constructive for the space. You see a lot of bot spamming and buy this and we'll send it back and double it kind of, you know, bullshit or, you know, just things that aren't really supportive of the space to help, you know, build it and make it a bit more firm as an industry. I think marketing is such an important component. So just kind of curious how you see the marketing in this industry right now and maybe the way it needs to evolve so that people also take the the industry more seriously and take web3 more seriously i think you'd go a long way towards actually getting those institutional investors and pension funds and sovereign wealth to come in as well as government feeling more comfortable about what's happening what's being developed um so i i think there's a bit of a disconnect there 
just curious about your opinion overall, like where we're at from a marketing standpoint in this industry. Yeah, yeah, that that's a uh, an amazing question, I, and I hundred percent agree with you. I think that the marketing has a very long ways to go um, before it can kind of reach a, a point of I don't know how to put this, but yeah, just a point where it you're you're looking at it and you're like, wow, that's really good marketing. Um, so I, I would say that first and foremost, I think that as an industry as a whole, uh, people uh, there's there's first of all like just too much jargon. I think that if you want to Marketing to me is about connecting with someone on a one-to-one level and addressing a pain point that they have. And then and then basically having an empathy to say, hey, I, I see this pain point that you're having and here's a solution that I can, pre- I can present to you in a, in a very digestible way. And right now you don't really see that. You see a lot of, you know, it, when I first got into crypto about a year and a half ago, I was like reading these different articles and I'm just scrambling my head like, what, the, what, what is this? What is this? Like you're kind of left to your own devices to kind of figure everything else, fi- figure everything out. So I think that we have to start with just using normal language and, and speaking to the pain points of, of, that people might have. Um, I think um, crypto as, a, in this, as an industry is very idealistic. We speak to the... We, we we talk about a lot about the the virtues of decentralization. We talk about you know the virtues of of security and 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 of owning your own data and and all these things. And these are really important topics, and I think that it can resonate with a lot of people. But I think that we just have to do a better job. Uh, and I think this is on a project per project basis too. I think that like if you have a an application that you're building or you have some some sort of service. You need to have your end user in mind and, and really kind of understand the psychology of what your users are are about. And once you can understand the psychology of your users and of your potential users, then you can speak to them. So you need to start with who are my ideal customers? Who are my who are my true core users? And start there. Um, and yeah, you're right. You you we need to go away from this whole spammy like you know there's, there's yeah i mean i, I if uh, this, this should be eradicated but um but the one key difference i will say about crypto marketing is that that which is different from let's say web2 marketing is that it's hugely community driven so what if if you're out there and you're a, a marketer and you're looking to get into the web3 space if you can crack the nut of how to build a community effectively you're not going to run out of work because uh, you know we we need really good community builders. You, you need people who can rally a community, who can manage a community, um, who can address the concerns of community. Because ultimately, most projects rest on the heels of the um, strength of the, their community. And if they have a bad community or a non-active community, then that project is not going to go very far. <clears throat> so, um, so I would say there's that's a huge component of it. And then, but I still think that we can do the other parts right, the fundamentals that uh, we can learn a lot from Web two companies. Uh, I, I think it's arrogant to say, "Well, we're Web three, so screw all the marketing that you know has given rise to billion dollar companies." So they've done something right, right, from a product standpoint, from a product marketing standpoint. So we still need to look to the like the 
Stripes of the world, the Ubers of the world, whatever, those companies became billion dollar companies because they, they had a, a really amazing user-friendly product. They solved the problem and they did a really good job with their marketing. So we can take a lot of lessons from those companies as well, while also keeping in mind that we need to still have some really strong community building strategies. So that's kind of my uh, long one that answered your question. Appreciate it. Um, where can people uh, find Algem online? Where can they find you if they want to go check you out? Are you on LinkedIn or other social platforms? And then should people just go to the website or is there somewhere in particular you want to direct them? Do you have a community, Discord, Telegram? Yeah, you can start uh, for Algem. You can start uh, by checking out our website at algem.io. Um, and then you will find links to all of our social platforms there. Uh, for me personally, you can just reach me on Twitter at Greg Ruggiero, and then I'll be happy to connect. So that's pretty much it. Awesome. Guys, go check out Greg. Go check out Algem Online, everything they're doing in the space. Um, dude, really appreciate you taking the time. This is really fun. We'll do it again soon, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, and let's keep rocking. <laughs>